0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, welcome to Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 2nd of February.
0: That's right. And the second day of Perth and Surround's five-day lockdown, which they've gone into because a hotel quarantine worker has tested positive for what's now been confirmed to be the strain of coronavirus that's uh, being called the UK strain. And so, Norman, we're seeing a five-day lockdown. We know that it takes longer than five days for the virus to incubate in someone's body. So can we talk about what you do when you're trying to control a virus outbreak in its very early stages?
1: Well, you'd have to say, first of all, that five days, is actually at the lower end of the of of the incubation period. so it's it's almost one incubation period, not quite. So the, there are key elements of control. First is social distancing, and lockdown is an extreme form of social distancing where you don't know where the virus is. So remember, this virus is not spread evenly, eighty percent of people don't spread the virus. 20% do, and they do through clusters. So this man has been all over Perth. He's been in Maylands, which is where he lives. He's been Joondal up far north. He's been in the city. And so at any one of the. so he might not be a super spreader himself, but he might have spread to other people who then pass it on in a super spreading environment like we saw in Sydney. So that's that's the problem, is that you get these clusters and the clusters can stay underground for a while before they burst out and reveal themselves. And that's the prospect. So what they're doing here is the right thing is that they're clamping down on social distancing. So the virus cannot spread any further than it already has, or you minimise that. So that's one element. The second element is testing. And testing has got to be in really large numbers of West Australians. Tens of thousands, so that just in case you, there's a case out there um, that you're not finding, you just want to be sure that you're really massively testing in the chance that something that it's got out there in a random way and people have got it where, where it's a surprise, not just in the contact areas where you might have been in uh, coals, in Maylands or, or wherever.
0: So we're talking about testing though, Norman, but we have seen a lot of testing and there haven't been any more cases, at least as of yesterday. And they think that this man might have been infected around the 25th. So we're maybe getting into a time frame where we could be seeing positives?
1: Yes, but the testing rates are just gathering in numbers. So there weren't that many tests yesterday You know, for a city of, say, a couple of million people. So it's got to really m- multiply to be maybe 10 times that number of tests. So I think there were 3,000 odd tests reported overnight. So that's, but that was only in half a day. So the numbers have just got to ramp up. Then the next thing is that which is about contact tracing. So they've already got onto the contact tracing, identified 60 or 70 people so far who are contacts. Those people have got to be quarantined regardless of their test status because they are the most likely people who are going to become positive. And in the northern beaches of Sydney a very significant i can't quote you the numbers but a very significant percentage of people who became positive in that in the clusters that emerged from the northern beaches became positive in quarantine they were already isolated for 14 days so you don't want people becoming positive when they're out and about you want them to become positive when they're at home in quarantine or in hotel quarantine so those are the elements of control and if it goes like South Australia or Queensland, then there won't be any more cases. They'll have identified them and got it under control. And it may not be necessary to go the full five days. But it just allows you to get things under control, contact tracers to get on top of it. And five days is much better than you know, a grumbling thing which you know, really paralyzes the city for, for days and days and days, if not weeks, which is what happened in New South Wales. They did get under control, done a great job, but it lasted a long time and right through Christmas.
0: So with this lockdown, when are we going to have a good indication of whether we're good or whether it's more of an outbreak?
1: Large testing numbers, not finding anybody.
0: So let's take some questions from our audience. Um, This person's saying they've heard that a vaccinated senator in the US has been infected with COVID after getting the shot. And we know that there's a proportion of people who become infected that have ongoing health issues. Do we know whether someone who's had the coronavirus vaccine is more or less or the same amount likely to get long-term health problems from COVID?
1: We don't know that yet. Um, there, is an, there is a relationship between severity infection and long COVID, but people who get mild infection do get it as well. So we don't know that, the answer to that question. We'll only know as the months go by. Often when people get infected, it is after the first dose and before the second dose. And that's been the situation in Israel as well. So you do get partial protection, but not full protection. So that, we, don't, we just don't know the answer to that question.
0: I've got lots of questions that are sort of variations on a theme today, actually, Norman. This person's asking, once you've had COVID, is it still safe to get vaccinated afterwards?
1: Well, we know that from the Novavax trial. It turned out that in South Africa, a third of the people who got the immunisation turned out belatedly to to have seroconverted. In other words, they were seropositive for their antibodies to the original virus. And um, and they did not come to any grief having had the immunisation. What was also interesting was that it didn't seem to help them with the new variant. That they were they seem to be quite likely, you know, just as likely to, on the preliminary data. Remember, this is not published yet. To actually get the variant, so that is a, a little bit of concern there. You know, the, the 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 results of the five vaccine trials we've got to date show that what the vaccines do reliably is turn COVID-19 into the common cold um, or no symptoms at all. Whether you can spread it or not to somebody else, we just don't know yet. It's likely that the, the spread is reduced by about half the effectiveness of the vaccine at preventing disease. So if you've got a 60% vaccine Experience disease like Astra or the Johnson and Johnson one, then it's thirty percent likely to prevent transmission. Whereas if you have got the Pfizer one, it's fifty percent likely to you know, to have reduction in transmission.
0: And another similar question: This is one that we've had from a lot of people for uh, quite a few weeks now. We haven't really gotten to it. Can you get uh, if you get one vaccine this year? Can you get a different one next year? Is, is you sort of blow your chance at getting a vaccine? if you get one now and another one comes onto the market later?
1: No, we may well have to have another one. Um, it's unlikely if you've had the Astra vaccine that you can have the Astra one again because it's quite likely you've got antibodies to the vaccine itself. So if you have the Astra one, you're going to have to have a different type of immunisation. You might have to have the Novavax. And if there's significant changes to the spread the virus, new variants, then it's quite likely there'll have to be an immunisation campaign in 2022, which gives you a booster to the new variants.
0: So we kind of mentioned long covid in passing just now and we need to clarify some things. So on Friday we were talking about long covid and we made it was a part of our quick fire Friday section and we were ripping through these questions and Norman you made some comments that some people have queried and would ask are asking for some clarification on and the thing you said was that long covid has a particular Uh, is a highly defined syndrome and things like chronic fatigue syndrome is you use the word psychosomatic and you said that there wasn't so much of a, a pattern to that disease. And that seems to fly in the face of Definitions by the WHO, the CDC in the US, uh, the UK body, and even Australia's um, National Health and Medical Research Council.
1: So let's 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 separate this out. And the um, so what, what happens when you've had a viral infection is, and Ian Hickey's done research for this, and we'll put a we'll put a reference up here, up about that. Is that when you have a viral infection, the post viral fatigue that you get is very well defined. So it's a very well-defined syndrome, and, um, and and it goes to a whole pattern of different viruses. So there's one pattern there. So long COVID is a syndrome in its own right, um, which is quite similar in some ways to other post-viral conditions. What people call ME, myalgic encephalomyelitis, other people call chronic fatigue syndrome, is a different syndrome. So if I if I said to people, you know, it's less well-defined, it's actually not true. It's well-defined, and it's real in terms of the symptoms that people get, and it's a very wide range of symptoms. Um, so you you get a foggy fatigue, you get muscle aches and pains, but it's a very different, much more widespread physiological disorder which nobody has been able to find consistent abnormalities for. And I can understand completely why people think anybody that says it's in your mind, they get really, really angry that this is some sort of psychological condition. It's a very physical condition in the same way as pain is a condition, itch and other symptoms and and so on. It's just that no one's been able to find a consistent problem. Some people find uh, particular immune abnormalities, some people find problems in the brain and so on. But when these are repeated, it's just not consistent. And it's tragic for the people who've got it because it is such a physical phenomenon. And uh, But it, it's a very different syndrome from long COVID.
0: It sounds like both are really debilitating conditions and it's great to see uh, that these are being taken seriously.
1: Absolutely. And And very real, no question about that. So it's not imaginary in any shape or form. Neither is. They're both well-defined syndromes. So that's it for today. If you've got any questions, go to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Go to the Ask Your Questions section and mention coronacast on the way through. We're still getting lots of questions coming in. Can we keep them coming? And we will see you tomorrow. See you then.